My name is, if we haven't met, uh, Jacob Dunn. I am the student pastor here at Valley Creek and uh, excited to be here with you and be worshiping with you this morning. It's hard to judge whether or not I'm going to be able to make it all the way through with a voice. Uh, because of the awesome worship this morning, I, I love being here and singing and uh, it was awesome. So we are excited to be here with you. I know we don't always get to be out here uh, with you guys because we're at Springfield Road, but it is a wonderful blessing uh, to be here with you this morning to be able to bring and share a word uh, from Luke 24. Thank you very much, Caleb, for reading for us this morning. I know we've been able to meet uh, some of you uh, previously. Uh, we've even uh, met some of you, <clears throat> excuse me, as you came and helped us move in for a, a season. We were living uh, just next door here in the house, and some of you helped carry all of our stuff off of a truck and into the house and into the basement and up the stairs and all that. And uh, we have since uh, moved uh, to our home that we're going to be in for a long time. Uh, we moved out to this side of town. We live just down the road out here in Rineville, and uh, we, we love being out here on this side of town, love being over here. Uh, it's been a wonderful season. It feels uh, simultaneously like it hasn't been very long at all since October when we began, and also uh, a very, very long season just because of all the things that happen when you move. Anybody who has uh, bought a house or purchased a home, you probably understand exactly uh, what I am feeling, and you probably understand both the up and the downside of the statement, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, we, we purchased the home, and we love it, and it is awesome, and we love where we live, and we love the yard, but we also uh, very quickly started to develop that to-do list, right? That list of things that we want to happen or the list of things that we would like to happen or both, they need to happen or, or whatever. And that list, no matter how much we get done, that list doesn't seem to get any shorter. Uh, it just seems to build and build and build. Kim and I were just talking this weekend uh, about all the things that we'd love to do, all the things that we'd love to get done. And there's this little thing and that knickknacky thing and this room that we'd like to paint and that thing and this thing, right? All the stuff that we'd like to get done. And, and we said, well, we got we to gotta divide this up into the, hey, that's a small project we can do pretty easy or uh, that's a project we'll get to when we get to it. We all have that punch list of things that has to get done. Now, for us, because we know and desire to be in this house for a long time, there's not a lot of urgency to that punch list, right? It, it can be there, we can put it on the fridge, and these are things that we can get to, and some things we can kind of put at the top, we can do that soon, and some things we can kind of put at the top, bottom, and we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll get to that down the road. But I want to talk today about a very different punch list, one that comes with a great deal of urgency, one that comes with a lot of expectation and a lot that needs to happen quickly. I want to look at the punch list that Jesus Christ gives to his disciples in his last moments, last days with them after the resurrection. It was a wonderful time last week. Uh, we, we love the Easter season. Obviously, every Sunday we gather, we celebrate the Lord's Day, and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we also know that Easter is a special season where we get to celebrate in a special way. 
And we love hearing uh, the words from the beginning of Luke 24 about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the, uh, the encounter with the disciples where he showed up to them and he, he, he speaks to them, he shows them his bodily form, right, that I'm here. I, I love that idea, right? And I, I love the, the kind of moment for me uh, of Jesus just kind of showing up and what does he want to do? He wants to share a meal, right? Like, hey, I'm here, it's really me, it is me in body, and I'm hungry. Uh, I mean, he, I, I got to imagine, right, he's risen from the dead, that takes a lot of work, he's hungry, he's ready to eat, he's like, hey, you got anything to eat? And they give him some fish, they share a meal, and then we have this very cool moment, these very cool words uh, that we spoke to, I love the words that Jesus there, he says, peace to you, right? That's a, that's a loaded phrase, um, peace to you when we think about it. Because um, I have to imagine if I was the disciples, I probably wouldn't be expecting Jesus to say peace to you. I would probably, after the way that I'd acted over the past couple days, be expecting Jesus to say something more along the lines of, you're a knucklehead, right? Like, you, you left me, you abandoned me, you, you left me to die on the cross alone, you ran away and you hid, and I told you this was coming. Like, I, I had warned you that this was the end of the road, and yet still you acted like you didn't know, and Jesus shows up with no rebuke. He shows up with no point of, you got to get better. He just says, peace, because I'm here with you, and we still have a job to do. And so he brings to them this punch list of things, this last words, as it were, that Luke is going to share with us before Jesus ascends. And so I want to talk about this punch list, and I want to look and see what it says here in Luke 24 so that we might understand this moment of urgency and what it means for us here today. Thank you for reading that, Caleb, as we start in verse 44 and walk through what Jesus shares. Verse 44 says, And he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Item number one on Jesus' punch list, his checklist for the disciples, the, the first thing on his things he wants to share is he wants to connect the dots for the disciples. He wants to make sure that the disciples know that the cross and the resurrection was not an accident, the cross and the resurrection was not a surprise. It wasn't something that God had to pull out of a hat because he didn't see these things coming. The cross and the resurrection was a part of God's grand and magnificent plan to bring glory to himself. This was all known. I love that, that Jesus says, right, I am going to share with you everything about how all of history has been leading up to and building to this moment. Hear what he says, right? Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What Jesus says there in words that we would use, let me tell you how everything written in the Old Testament is about me is about this moment. He says everything in the law of Moses, what we would call the, the Pentateuch or the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible. 
Everything written in the prophets, that's all of the prophetic literature, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Malachi, Habakkuk, these things are about me. He says Psalms. This is a way that he would have been pointing towards all of those books that we call the writings, right? This is all of the history of Israel and Psalms and Proverbs and the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. Jesus is saying that everything that has happened, everything that you've read, it's about me and it's about this moment. The only way that Jesus could say that, the only way that he could mean that is if all of this was a plan, if all of this was intentional, if all of this is what God had intended from the beginning, could Jesus say those words? It was no accident. The cross was the means by which God would bring himself glory by providing a way for forgiveness of sins for sinful man. Jesus was going there on purpose. He knew it. He had spoken of it. And he was reminding the disciples in this moment, remember what I said. Remember what you read. Remember what this is about. But they needed help. That's why verse 45 is there. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. This this understanding, we we see this, and, and, and my first thought as I read this was that The disciples needed more knowledge. They needed something else in their head. But the reality is, is this understanding isn't just head knowledge. They didn't need to know more in their minds. They had already known all this stuff. They probably could repeat it. Many of them could probably quote verbatim much of the Old Testament for us. They knew these things. It was in their head. Rather, this understanding is about a deeper knowledge in our hearts of what God's will is for us. This understanding is not about knowing more. It's about being obedient to more. It's not about knowing in our head. It's about believing in our heart. You see, Jesus is reminding them of these things, not just so that he can say, hey, look, we did it. But Jesus is about to give them a mission. He's about to remind them of the purpose that they will have just a few short days. He opened their minds to the understanding of the scriptures. Why? Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus is sending them on a mission. He is reminding them of God's great plan, what he is doing, and that they are called to be a part of that plan, not just watch it happen. He wants them to see that God's desire is that the world would come to know him, that all people would see him, know him, love him, and follow him in the same mission. This is not a knowledge of the head. It is a knowledge of the heart. It is a knowledge that results in obedience to the mission and call of God. This understanding is not about simply knowing more, And this understanding only comes to us as we dig deeper into our reliance and dependence upon Jesus Christ. This is not a knowledge, this is not an opening of their minds that they could just stumble upon. 
This is not something that they could just walk through life and figure out on their own. It required Jesus to open their minds to it. We're reminded here of some different passages. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Paul shares with us the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Or uh, Yes, 2.13, he says this, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. There is in this mission a need for dependence and reliance upon Jesus Christ. He shows up to the disciples and he reminds them that this is not something they can do on their own. They need him. They need Christ to step in. There's a lot we can look around the world and we can see and we can come to know about God and we can see the, the design of animals and we can see the, the, the spin of galaxies and we can learn all about stars and their formation and we can see the, the depth of intricacy in different ecosystems and we can go look how good our creator God is. But we also need Jesus to step into our lives and reveal to us the truth about who he is, what he has done, and what he is calling us to do. This is why we need scripture. This is why we trust in the word of God. This is why we dig deep into the word of God, that we would know what his call and his uh, will for us is, that we would be sent out on mission. And this is an understanding that would only continue in the disciples' lives as they depended further on the Holy Spirit. And so this is why item number two is a reminder of the promises of the Holy Spirit. Item number one, Jesus wanted to connect the dots for the disciples. He wanted them to see exactly how all of history was leading to this moment and all of history to come would point back towards this moment. And he says, and you're going to go out on mission, but I'm going to help you. How am I going to help you? Item number two is he wants to show them the guarantee of the Spirit. He wants to assure the disciples, I have promised to you the Spirit. He is coming. He is coming to help you. Verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The mission of the gospel, the mission to be witnesses to what they have just seen, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a mission that we can accomplish under our own power and our own authority. It is a mission that requires a greater dependence and greater leaning into the power of God that we receive in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes, the Holy Spirit comes that we might bear witness to the truth of the resurrection. John chapter 15 says it in this way. John 15 verses 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Spirit is coming to bear witness about the Father, and you also will bear witness. 
because you have been with me from the beginning. So we will be witnesses to what Christ has done, what he accomplished, both in his life, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and in the time to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to the purposes of God, to make known his name and his grace. The Spirit accomplished much and would do much as we continue to read the story of Luke and as we will continue to read the story in Acts. And the Spirit can do amazing works and wonders. But the Spirit didn't come that we might be better athletes. The Spirit didn't come that we might get better grades or be more successful. The Spirit came that we might be empowered to be witnesses to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And so the witness that we have is empowered by the Spirit to go out towards that end. We're going to dig more into this in the coming weeks as we walk through the, the, the road to VC Go, and we're going to talk about the empowering of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit empowers us to, to do the things that the church does. And we're going to talk about what it means to do some things like serving and going and giving and those sort of things. We're going to see what the Spirit does, and specifically we're going to dive into Acts 1.8 in the, in the weeks to come and look at some things. So we're not going to get too deep into it now. But as we sit here and read this passage, we see that Jesus Christ is promising the disciples. You're not going to do this alone. This is not a mission that I'm saying, congratulations, it's yours now. We'll catch you later. He is saying, you're going to go do this mission. I'm going to give you the power to do it. And I'm going to go with you through the Spirit. You are not alone. You will have the ability to do this. So, so Jesus connects the dots about history, he connects the point that, look, this is all about me. This is what I'm doing. That's his first item, reminding the disciples that this was part of a plan, that he was doing this on purpose. He gives them the mission to go, and then he, item number two, he gives them the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Look at what's going to happen. Look at how you're going to accomplish this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I love this, this third part, item number three, right? He blesses them, and then he sends them out. He, he tells them to go. Look at verse 50. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up, he, up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple blessing God. Jesus wanted to bless and commission his followers for the work to be done. I, I love this idea, this, this language of commissioning, uh, of sending out with a purpose. Um, I, I am a father of two sons, right? I have Ethan who's hanging out over here who's nine. Uh, and I have Cade, who is uh, going to be four next week. And, and as I've read and, and sought, like, you know, because we all have that, you, you become a parent and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, so I better talk to people or read from people that do know what they're doing or at least give off the air of knowing what they're doing, right? And so I've, I've read a lot specifically about this idea of being a, a father to boys, and it's, it's pretty amazing that a lot of the language uh, that that writers use and that people point to is this idea of commissioning, uh, this idea of reminding your sons of their great purpose in this life and then saying, go do it. 
Like it's not a, a nebulous moment of, well, let's just see what happens, but it is a very intentional sending out, saying, I've given you everything you need, go do it. And this is what Jesus is doing. He is blessing them. He's saying, look at what I've done for you. Look at the example I've laid out for you and look at the promise of the Spirit that is coming to give you power to do this. Now go. It is a, a command to, to go do these things. This ending, it seems very abrupt, right? Like if you're reading the book of Luke and you're walking through all of this and we have all of these amazing moments and then we get to the last part and it's verse 50 and he blessed them and he lifted up his hands and then he was gone. You're like, this is sudden. Like there should be more. Like what, what, that's it? He's just gone. But y'all, that's kind of the point. It's not that he's gone and this is the end of the story. It's that he's sending us out and the story just got started. It's not an abrupt ending. It's a pause before they take off again. And we, we know that. Luke continues to write. He writes the book of Acts to say, this is how they went. This is what they did. This is the middle of the story. Jesus has given them a mission, and they're going to go do it. Jesus has returned. I think there's, there's all sorts we could say about what just happened in the ascension that Jesus showed up in bodily form. He reminded them that he was there, resurrected in body, in physical nature, and then he took that physical nature into heaven, a reminder that he is going there. He is going to prepare a place for us. He stands bodily before God the Father to make intercession for us. He stands beside God and he says, that one's mine. They belong to me. Their sin is covered by my cross. My blood has been the price that was paid for them. They belong to me. They are a child of God. Watch what I just sent them to do. Look at how I have sent the Spirit to them. They're going to do this. They're going to carry out their mission. God is making ready a place for us as we chase and pursue the mission of God. And this is an incredibly powerful moment for the disciples. And we know that because of what it says. Right? They watched him get carried up into heaven and it says they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So again, it, if we think about it, this is a weird statement. Jesus is gone. Their best friend, the guy they just spent the last three years following, the one that they had built the entirety of their life around, the one who had taught them so much, he's gone. I mean, literally went up in a cloud and they watched it happen. I'd be probably struggling with a little bit of doubt. What am I going to do now? I'm a, I'm a very like example-driven person. I need somebody to show me something five, six, 10, 20 times before I'm ready and comfortable to go do it. And even then, the first few times I go, mm, I'd be a lot better and a lot more comfortable if you were still standing there right beside me. This is the worst thing in the world. For a few years, I was a teacher, and in the summer, I'd work HVAC, and I'd do uh, like maintenance and stuff like that. And it was a really weird season for me, and I learned a whole lot. And I remember one very specific point where my boss, who was an awesome Christian man, uh, walked me to a system that needed repair. I had no idea what he was doing. He said, hey, that motherboard needs to be taken out. We need to put a new one in. Do it. And I said, I've never done that before, Sean. He said, I don't care. Do it. 
There's the instructions. You've watched me do it. And then he walked away, like out of the building. He's like, I got, I got other stuff to do. We'll see you later. And he just trusted me to get it done. Jesus has gone into heaven. He has given the disciples everything they need, and he is sending to them the Spirit. And he's saying, go, do it. And there is, there is I'm sure, worry and stress and anxiety, but there is also for the disciples great joy because Jesus has entrusted them with his mission. They know that he is now interceding for them. He is saying, give them the spirit, God. Give them the ability. Give them the words as they go. He is preparing for them a place when they have walked through the mission as God has called them to and has called them home. And now they get to go tell everybody. They get to go tell the world, look at what I've just seen. Let me tell you about the greatness of my king. Let me tell you about the one who saved me from my own sin. Jesus blessed them, and then he sent them. He told them to go. And so now, you and I, we find ourselves in the same place the disciples would find themselves just a few days after Jesus leaves. He has gone to be in heaven. He has guaranteed the Spirit, and he has sent to them the Spirit. We see this awesome moment, the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit comes and fills the hearts of believers. They know their mission. They know their purpose, and we are right there as well. I love the way that Matthew shares it. We know we've heard this passage before where Matthew gives a little bit more depth to this moment. And in verse chapter 28, verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the mission. This is the purpose. Go. Make disciples. Teach them everything that I've done. Teach them everything I've commanded you. Bring them into the family of God. Baptize them into the body of Christ, the church, that they might go with you on this mission, that they might be a part of this as well. In that passage that we're going to get to in Luke chapter 1, he goes a little bit deeper, kind of takes a step back and says, remember what just happened in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The verse serves as an outline for the entirety of the book of Acts. Here's what they're going to do. Watch them do it. And we sit at the same point in history, given the same mission to go be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And God is saying to the world, watch them. They're going to go do it. And we get to be a part of of that mission. We will be empowered by the promise of the Spirit, sent out and commissioned by Jesus in the same way to be witnesses. So as we think about this passage, I think for us today, there are a couple points of application. There are a couple things that we can look at and see and say, how can I make myself more about the punch list of Jesus? What can I learn here as the disciples learn? And I think it's twofold. I think number one, you and I need a greater dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit. 
it's, it's interesting. Just talked about my kids, right? And if you're uh, a parent, you probably watch part of this happen. Some of you maybe have kids that are grown and out of the house, and you know this to be true. We grow our children to become independent of us, right? We, we teach them to have more and more responsibility. We teach them how to do these things on their own, and then we send them out into the world for good or bad and say, go do it, we'll see you later. And there is a, a, a leaving from the dependence upon the parents in a very paradoxical way, as we grow as Christians, we don't grow in independence from God. We don't grow in a a lesser need of who he is. As we grow and mature as believers, we grow in greater dependence on God. The more we know and love and follow him, the more we cherish his presence in our life, the more we lean upon the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't grow as believers and say, look how mature I am. I don't know if I need the Spirit in this moment. We say, look how mature I've grown. I need Him more today than I did yesterday. And I need Him more tomorrow than I'm going to need Him today. And there is not anything I'm going to accomplish in this world that doesn't require the work, work of God and the Holy Spirit in my life. We need Him more and more and more every day. We need a greater dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we must always be watching, looking where the mission of God might be calling us to go to be a witness. We must be looking around the world where He has placed us, in our community, in our work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in the places we are at, where God would call us on mission as witnesses. That's what I, I love. Kim and I, we will we'll echo this very often for a long time, is how greatly God has blessed us as he brought us here to Valley Creek. Here as a church, here has the body of Christ where we have been encouraged and loved on, but also how God has placed us in places where we have great opportunity to be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in schools, in communities, in neighborhoods, as he's opened doors for us, as he's placed us in neighborhoods where people are showing up at our door and wanting to talk to us. Hey, how are you? You live in our neighborhood. You want to come over and hang out for a little while? Hey, I saw that you have a kid. He looks like he might be at my age. Can he come out and play? Right? That's a cool thing. Right? Just have a a random person show up at your door. You have a kid, can he come out and play with us and can we get to know each other? That's awesome. That's God working to give opportunities to be witnesses. You can be a great witness sitting on the sideline of a soccer game. You can be a a great witness walking around the neighborhood. You can be a great witness as you go and volunteer at the schools. There's all sorts of opportunities where God is calling us to be on mission. We're going to, again, talk about this for a few weeks about what it looks like to live on mission where we are at here in our community as we seek to be those people who are going. But if you've taken some time to be a little introspective, we all know that this, again, is not a knowledge of the head thing, but a knowledge of the heart. The problem is a lot of us see things that happen around us as opportunities not to put the gospel on a pedestal, but oftentimes we see these things as opportunities to lay the gospel aside because something else is going on. We 
are a, an easily distracted people. We, in a lot of ways, are still like the Israelites, right? And so we have excuses, at least I know that I do, right? Where we can say, I am just too busy right now to be on mission. But the Spirit of God steps in and he gives us more time. We're reminded in the gospel of stories like Joshua, who needed more time. And so God stopped the sun in the sky. God isn't beholden to our schedule. He builds for us his. And so we trust in the Spirit. We get scared and we're worried that we don't have what it takes. And the Spirit gives us courage to be bold. You want to see the, the courage that we gain in the Spirit? Read the book of Acts. And see how these people who just a few chapters earlier in Luke were running and hiding, Jesus had to go find them in a locked room. And now they're dying, literally, that they might be witnesses of the power of the gospel. We get scared. The Spirit gives us courage. We get discouraged. We don't see the results that we want when we want them. The Spirit reminds us that God is a God who fulfills His promises. And so when He says the mission is going to be accomplished... When he, I'm going to give you the power of the Spirit, we trust that He is a God who's going to do those things. So in our discouragement, the Spirit brings us encouragement. We, if you're anything like me, I'll say I, get lazy. God, I've worked hard. I'm tired. I'd like to just take a break. The Spirit motivates our heart and reminds us that the mission of God doesn't take breaks. That we rest in Him. That we rest in the work that He's doing. We find peace in Him. And we seek out those moments. So the question is, what are we allowing to derail our dependence upon the Holy Spirit? What are we allowing to derail us from the mission of God, seeing where he might call us to go? And how can we grow in our dependence upon the Holy Spirit to draw us deeper and deeper into the mission and the blessing of God? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who calls us deep into mission, deep into purpose. God, you have a grand design and a grand plan for us. The cross was the beginning of that. God, you are sending your spirit to us, the guarantee of the power we need to live on mission for you. God, I know that I get distracted. I know that I get derailed on occasion from your work and from your mission. Now that's a, a call in my life to a greater dependence upon the Spirit. I know there's probably people in here hearing this that are like me and they've gotten derailed or they're just wondering what the mission of God looks like. Every time we hear your word, you call us to respond. You call us to dig deeper. So God, I pray that we all would think about where you are calling us on mission, the community and the people that you have around us. And I pray that we would have a greater and growing dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. On these next few minutes as we worship, as we sing, God, I pray that you would work on our hearts. God, I pray that you would reveal to us in a fresh and new way the mission of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that if there is something in our way that we would take a minute to pull that thing aside and say, this is, this is not something I want to live in anymore and that we would give that to you. God, I pray that we would
give our hearts, our lives, all of our being to you in this morning. And we love you and we thank you and it's in your son's name we pray.